and welcome to another episode of Dice Talk. As always, we have another awesome episode prepared for you. Tonight, we will be talking about one-shots and how to run one-shots in your Dungeons & Dragons campaigns, as well as running one-shots in your other tabletop role-playing games that you might be playing. Not only is Gerundu going to be joining us for this episode, as with all the episodes, but we also have another special guest, Adam DeWeese. Adam DeWeese is the Dungeon Master for One-Shot Onslaught. He is also the owner of the Majestic Goose Podcast Network, so he is not only an expert in all things Dungeons & Dragons, all things podcasting, but he is also an expert in running one-shots. The three of us had a lot of fun recording this episode, and I think that you're going to truly enjoy listening to all the conversations we have about one-shots, so I'm not going to waste any more of your time. Instead, let's just go ahead and get started on Dice Talk. Hi everybody, uh, and welcome to Dice Talk. My name's Jerundu, I'm co-hosting with my good friend uh, Jeremy Fair, and today we're talking to Adam DeWeese. So, Adam, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your connection to role-playing games and D&D? Yep, I am Adam DeWeese. I have been playing uh, Dungeons & Dragons since like mid-2017 now, so um, kind of in that not quite uh completely new to it but um definitely lacking the veteran experience of some say as Gerundu. oh oh uh, stop <laughs> uh yeah so we i started out with uh lost mine of fandelver and then went into storm king's thunder and then i found out about dm's guild and them having one shots on there so i started playing one shots with a different group of people that turned into the one shot onslaught podcast from there Sort of the Halfway to Heroes podcast. I'm trying to think of the... Oh, man, guys, there's a lot of podcasts now. I'm trying to think of the order of them all now. I think, and then after Halfway to Heroes was Roll for Weird, where it was the first time me not playing D&D and not being the DM and was said and said Monster of the Week. And then... um, Yeah, those are the three, like, tabletop games I'm on right now. So, uh... It, it's been kind of a, a crazy three years from start to finish how um, kind of um, what's the word I'm looking for here uh, crowded oh. it got with uh, so many new shows. And then that's how the Majestic Noose Majestic no, Noose. That's that not, not a thing. thing the, <laughs> the Majestic Goose Network was born from um, and so that we could kind of group all the shows together. And uh, that's actually how I met uh, these two, Jerundu and uh, Jeremy. Met them through our Discord server for uh, Halfway to Heroes and One Shot Onslaught. That's right. Um, and now we're willing uh, members of your media empire. So uh, expect a, a bunch of soft questions uh, for, <laughs> for this interview. <laughs> <laughs> so how's your day, sir? What's your favorite color? <laughs> um, but speaking of uh, One Shot Onslaught... The topic of the day is one-shots. Now, what do you think makes a good one-shot? Ooh, come on. I thought these <laughs> were softballs. Ooh. That, is a, that is a very good question. I, I think it's multifaceted. So, obviously, a good one-shot is something you can do in one shot, in one night. And I think the definition of that drastically changes once you're above 20. If you're under 20, a one-shot could be, you know, a t- an 8 to 10-hour adventure. Sure. That could be a one-shot. If you're over 20, that's when uh, you're looking for the three- to four-hour window, really, to be considered a one-shot. Um, and there are, uh, on DM's Guild, there are one-shots that are claiming to be one-shots that are actually, indeed, they say, this is an 8 to 10-hour adventure meant to do in one session. I'm like, no, that's not how that works. <laughs> so uh, that's 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 a big one. Obviously, you need to be able to do it in, in one night for it to be a good one shot. And then also, um, the cool thing about one shots is they don't really need to be as um, structured as a big campaign. You don't really need to do as much planning. Uh, I, I really like that one shots. They usually come with like multiple hooks. And with those multiple hooks, usually at least one of them will work for whatever campaign you're playing. So you can 
I like a versatile one shot that you can drop into any campaign because I don't really know any other groups like one shot onslaught where they just play one shots back to back to back. It's usually like a filler where uh, the DM maybe isn't ready to continue the campaign that week. And so instead they will pick up a one shot adventure to run for the night so that they don't miss out um, on playing D&D that week. And then they can finish it, wrap it up in that one night and then get right back to the campaign the following session. So that's why another thing that really makes a good one shot is a versatile setting and versatile hooks. Um, So I think if you've got those two things, you're on your way to having a, a good, fun one-shot. Absolutely. You mentioned that you met us through, um, you know, the fact that we enjoyed your show, One Shot Onslaught, and then we got involved with the Discord page, and then we started, you know, getting in contact with you. We played on some Patreon streams, and next thing you know, we've become these, like, friends. You get those one-shots from the DMs Guild website, which is really cool because I like the fact that you're, like, supporting all these different creators and these artists and things that are not super well known and then they get to kind of showcase their their one shots and their campaigns and stuff when you play through them on your show and I thought that was really really cool but like you said earlier a lot of those one shots say like a one shot 8 to 10 hours 12 hours 15 hours of play and I feel that because I tried making a, as you know I've tried making a one shot before the play to the blight thief and it's not a one shot we should probably just <laughs> we should probably just call it a mini campaign because and i think you do right i think i do now but it was originally listed as a uh, one shot and that was my intention <laughs> upon designing it but after i ran it a few times then when we ran it with you on a stream where we're pressed for time it actually it makes sense that it's it's going to probably take three or four sessions so yeah I, I definitely get that so is it tough for you to find like campaigns on that website to use for one shot onslaught like how how often do you pick one you start reading through it and you're like yep this isn't a one shot this is this is a campaign it's actually pretty often that that happens and uh it's something that especially now that the gang are you know getting up there in level it's there's obviously like less one shots or higher level because not a lot of people make it to that higher level a lot of people will start a new campaign or new characters um so now that we're getting up there it is really hard to find something that will fit in the time window i used to when we first started I was absolutely terrible at it and I was like overly ambitious. There was one that I tried to run called um Expedition to the Lost Peaks by MT Black, I think it was. Uh it's something along those words in the title and it said 6 to 8 hours and I was thinking I can get this down to the 2 to 3 hour window and I tried and um in my notes I had things like a pecking order like I'm going to lose this if it's getting to this late of an hour it's, I'm going to lose this this and this and by the end of it I had just had to scrap so much that it really wasn't anything of the one shot that it was meant to be um so I think it was actually that one shot right there that I started thinking differently about how I picked the one shots and some of them do give an hour gauge. Some of them will say four to five hours and I'll look at it and I'll be like, I, I can easily get this down uh, realistically and not lose a lot of content uh, to two to three hours. Because in One Shot Onslaught, we do a lot of fast combat. Um, you will be hard pressed to find any combat in that show that lasts past two rounds. And I do that on purpose because um, I know a lot of people do like listening to combat. Uh, it's just something that is easy to kind of you know, make quicker and then I can use more of the one shot that's actually written and kind of try to stick to the core uh, that the authors envision a lot easier that way. So it is really hard to actually find ones that fit into that. Uh, Sometimes I'll try to go by page count. If anything's above, I'm uh, not counting the appendix, uh, uh, that, like the in- at the end, there's always like magic items and maps and things like that. If I'm not counting those, I try to stay around and below 25 pages. If it gets above that, it starts to get pretty long. That being said, I've seen two, three page one shots that have so much info like compacted in there that it's like a six hour adventure in like two or three pages. So yeah, it's a lot of trial and error. I have a lot of DMs Guild purchases. I think on my account, I've got like 375 purchased uh, one shots. And I mean, and you know, from One Shot Onslaught, we've ran, 
I, I ballpark we probably ran 30 if that in the stream maybe another 10 to 15 so uh maybe a tenth of what i've purchased we've actually ended up running <laughs> so it's a lot of buying and then looking at the page count yeah one of your favorite or one of my favorite um one shots and i think it's one of the first ones i actually listened to on the one shot on slot uh, podcast is the ogre stole my birthday cake and <laughs> i just I mean, that's what won me over. Honestly, I listened to that and and I really liked I I guess it was like almost the perverse like this is definitely made for children and you guys are not acting like children as you play through it. And that was super funny. And it just was like a really, really I don't know. It was a really fun little one shot. And it was it was different from my experience where like we're trying to be all serious and stuff. And then like just to have this really childlike story, but then have your characters who are certainly not acting like children. I thought that was uh a really a really fun and really interesting little campaign but that brings me talking about characters one of the things that sticks out from a lot of one shots one shot onslaught has consistent characters that continue through kind of their own story so even though they are one shots you have this kind of overarching plot where they're part of this guild and they're getting jobs and things like that but does that make it hard i mean your, your characters are getting pretty high level now right and it's probably tough to find some high level one shots because I mean, like I said, I've written that one shot or I tried to write a one shot and that took, I mean, it took me a while, a couple of weeks, a couple of months of a lot of work. And I would imagine it'd be even more complex if I'm having to consider all the abilities and stuff that like a level 15 character would have. It'd be really difficult to write a campaign and make it still fun and compelling and challenging. Has it been a problem to try to find these higher level one shots? Yeah, I, and I think that's why it's hard to, because once they get up there, I mean, wizards alone, they get some game breaking spells yeah, towards like just the, to the ethereal plane all of a sudden did you plan yeah they do whatever you know they can do some wild things uh so i think that's what kind of limits like not not even just like uh dm's goat authors and uh, you know indie authors and creators but i mean also wizards of the coast they don't have a level one to 20 campaign out there um i don't uh, i don't think i thought that uh the the water deep one the second one i thought that one was supposed to get up there but I don't yeah. think even that got the I think that'd 20. be the closest one because the, the first part takes you from like one to seven or something. And then the second yeah. part, the Dungeon of the Mad Mage, which is below yes. the Yawning Portal Inn. That thing, I think it does take you up to pretty high level, maybe 15, I think 15 if not 15, 20. Yeah. But. Again, yeah, if Wizards of the Coast isn't even putting out content for 15 plus characters, it's probably for a reason. It's probably because it's it's hard to do. Um, so there are a handful and I've got a couple in on my wish list that I'm uh, that's how I kind of will gauge if I see something that they're not quite in the level range for. I will just add it to my wish list so that I don't forget about it, because if I just bought it on the spot, I guarantee I would forget about it, uh, you know, a month or two later. Um, but n my plan now is I'm actually going to be just kind of speed leveling them a little bit uh they actually were granted two levels at the end of the last one we ran and that was mostly because it had been quite a while since they leveled up but i'm trying to get them up to 20 in probably about five more one shots so like it's it's gonna be like a level per one shot pretty much so i'm in i'm gonna end up only doing like five to six high level one shots i think unless i can actually find more and then i can like kind of slow that down but if it's getting limited uh that's what we're gonna do and then when they hit level 20 we're going to pack away those characters up into long boy tower and they're gonna roll up some new fresh level one same world same adventuring guild, uh, different assuming team. they don't die. Yeah, first. assuming they don't die first, and then uh, that way we can start back at level one, where that is uh, the heaviest stacked uh, tier of one shots in DM's Guild is by far tier one, one to five. That's where you'll find just uh, so many really great one shots available. Uh, it's definitely easier to pick one then. I think part of the appeal of one shots, uh, certainly from my perspective as as someone who's played uh, a lot of them with you on uh, the Patreon streams, um, is that there's the sheer variety of things that you can do and the different kind of um, perspectives and tones that different authors and, and game designers bring with each of their modules. Um, we've done things that I would never have necessarily considered, things like um, murder mysteries, which have been a lot of fun. How do you feel that, that the sort of the limiting nature of doing a one-shot can actually be quite freeing in a sense because you're, you've got a specific thing to work in? You've got something to focus on. Yeah. Uh, one-shots by 
design are generally fairly heavily railroaded, right? I mean, there's like a goal you want them to get to at the end of the three hour session. Um, there are some sandboxy, uh, one shots like uh putting fair uh the sure. one where it's like groundhog's day they just keep repeating the same day and that one it's that's a big one i almost didn't even run that one shot yeah, because i, I was so bill murray at the end with like the giant flaming sword that shit was crazy it, whoa we're gonna have to beep that hole out we can't be giving away spoilers now um <laughs> uh, but no they uh it, it's like a 70 page one shot because there is so much stuff they can do um there's like a map that I think I actually did print off and give to my players while we were doing that so that I didn't have to say like, hey, there's a funnel cake stand here and this and this and this. So that one was pretty open, kind of sandboxy, even though it wasn't like a small fair, still uh, by definition sandbox. But the vast majority are railroads that um, a lot of them are dungeons, uh, like a Merle Super Happy Fun Dungeon. You find the entrance to a dungeon and then unless your party decides now nah, i'm not gonna go in there i'm just gonna <laughs> i'm gonna just walk on by then you're out a one shot you're not gonna make that up but otherwise i mean any party really is gonna bite go into the dungeon and then you know exactly where it's gonna end and i think the freeing part of that and about one shots is that if somehow things go completely awry and do not work out how you expected whatsoever the worse you're out is one night of prepping and planning and it's not like in a campaign where something goes super sideways that you weren't expecting at all and derails your entire campaign that you've been prepping for for six months and you've been running for four months and now all of a sudden like somehow they came up with a loophole to kill the big bad or something like that if they do something crazy in a one shot i mean you're only out two hours of prepping if that i mean i don't prep much at all (laughs) um and then the actual playing itself it's it's really i think that's the freeing part of it that you're mentioning yeah um i would i would agree i mean from a from a player perspective it's um especially if it's uh, literally a one off just playing one character perhaps you know like a pre-made even for certain modules um playing one character that's already been made up for you gives you sort of like something to work around and and with and i think as well it might be even slightly easier to if you if you want to get into playing dungeons and dragons or any uh role playing game but particularly dungeons and dragons because of the wealth of stuff that there is uh for one shots it's probably easier to find a one shot game and schedule that around your actual human life because finding a you know a campaign is a is a serious commitment logistically you've got a lot of different personalities and stuff to manage and if you are not blessed with the the kind of community that we've got where we've got a pool of people that we know are cool and we can trust that we can play with it can be quite intimidating i think to sort of dip your toe into those waters but as an introduction to the game or as a way to um sort of play with people i think uh one shot sort of serve that purpose because i know certainly for my home games i've it's been difficult to schedule like full-time uh campaign sessions whereas with one shots you've got the you know we're playing today we've got this scheduled like say once every couple of months we'll play this one game and then catch up again when we can and there's no need for that kind of uh continuity between um stories and also you can switch dms easier (laughs) yeah that's a good point like i definitely I love DMing these continuous campaigns and having this long story that takes you and your friends a year or two to play through. But having that option of scheduling a game that, you know, oh, are you available this Friday? Maybe they're not available every Friday, but you can have that one shot this Friday mm-hmm. or, you know, you can break it up. It's it, it's like a, it gives you the opportunity to play when maybe before, like you said, someone might not have wanted to invest in a whole, sure, I'll join your campaign. And now every Thursday for the rest of their life is taken. But you might be able to convince someone, hey, you know, it might take two or three sessions, you want to play in this, you know, this one shot, but it's, I don't know, I think that's a cool point. And you can try new characters, like you were saying, you can play with a whole bunch of different people, you can switch DMs. So there's definitely a lot of benefits to playing uh, through one shots. Would you say, Adam, would you say that Anytime you've done, um, so you record most of your one shots and then produce them into a podcast, but you've streamed some one shots a few times and we've streamed one shots with you even. Do you, do you think you approach it a little bit differently when there's a stream? Like I know the three of us all have different DMing styles. I'm a heavy prepper. The two of you aren't as heavy of prep. 
stuff. Gerundu, I think, <laughs> makes up his stuff as he goes. Adam, you read through something that's created and then kind of just fill in the blanks. Like, would you, do you say, do you think you do a little bit more prep when you're streaming because it, you feel like it's a performance? Like there's this idea that you have to produce something for people to enjoy live rather than being able to fix that in post? I used to... Uh, so I still, even when we're recording for One Shot Onslaught or Halfway to Heroes, no matter what it is, I still get that, like, I guess the word would kind of be stage fright, um, even though it's, like, not really on a stage. Yeah, performance anxiety. And, like, when I'm recording those, it's just me, my two brothers, my cousin, and then Halfway to Heroes, my best friend from childhood, or One Shot Onslaught, Justin, our very good friend from high school. So it's just, like, the five of us hanging out, and I still get so nervous. Uh, But that being said, the first time I was streaming them, it was probably, like, 10x that. It was bad. Like, I got a really bad uh, anxiety anytime we did a stream. Um, And yes, so that would lead me to kind of try to over prep and really, really be prepared. Um, I mean, but you're a pro. You're the man who interviewed Travis McElroy on a live event where we raised a lot of money for St. Jude's Hospital. Yeah, and that was, I was about to throw up then, too. Uh, That was terrible, too. Yeah, so now on streams, I've kind of balanced it a little bit more, and I, I want to say like the last time um, we did a D and D stream, I want to say that maybe I had like three names as notes, and that was it. And it it does make it so that I know that I have got this finite window where like a three hour window. Um, Sometimes like people will have hard stops and things like that, so I know like I get to this point. I've got to have something wrapped up. Mm. So it's not much different than recording the one shot onslaught now. Um, but I do get to play around a little bit more because, uh, usually we have like, like Drundu's been Sir Reggie, I think like on four or five now. And he's went from level one to 11 to five. Like the thing about the streams are we don't really have like a continuity to it. So it's like, Hey, I found this really cool level five one shot. So everyone just make your character level five. So like so, he can he can play the same character just whatever level, and we just pretend it's, it's that. It's just an, an episode of their lives. Yeah. Um. So that's one cool thing about the streams. Uh, it's a little bit easier to pick. It. I pretty much can have a wide variety. Sometimes I'll see one and I'll I'll know like I need to use that for the podcast, so I can't use that for the stream. Um. I will say one time I did bite off way more than I could chew, and that was running the last march of the Tyrant Worm. Uh, oh yeah, that was a good one. That was a good and one. That, <laughs> it was an awesome one, a fantastic one shot, guys. That thing is about eighty pages. It is supposed to be a sixty six to eight hour, well, you know, one to two shot. Um, but I really wanted to run it. So uh, Jean Lorber, the uh, author of that one, actually gave me this like really cool, um, like chart thing like flow like a flow chart and it said like you know skip this stuff do this stuff skip this stuff do this stuff he uh he probably put a lot of work into doing that too um and we were we were close if it wasn't for the charity event we could have we could have definitely knocked it out for like a regular twitch stream but that was for the extra life charity event where we had something scheduled in the next slot yeah, so I no, had a no really fine overhanging for ten minutes. Yes, yeah, so I had a really finite slot for that. So that one, I, I kind of bit off a little bit more than I could handle for that one. But yeah, it was uh, still fun. It was very fun. I still really, mu- uh, very much enjoyed that one shot. Enjoyed that uh, session and enjoyed like the actual adventure itself. But and Jean, Jean was very nice about me butchering it afterwards. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I, I mean, we had like a conclusion. It was kind of anticlimactic, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, I really liked the starting of that campaign. I thought it was it was like really cool. Like we come around the corner. Well, I mean, what were we like level four or something? Yeah, uh, it was it's pretty low and we come around the corner and you say there's a dragon laying in a field we saw a dragon come flying yeah it, you saw heads, it crash, crash yeah, and land and then like we're going to interact with it I, like i think my character was ready to fight it or die trying like it was i don't know i thought that was crazy and i like that idea of giving them something that's so overpowered and something so like cliche especially for dungeons and dragons as a dragon at level four you are terrified you're like 
but then you feel like you were saying earlier, you feel the hook. You feel that the DM's trying to say, like, this is the hook. Take the hook. Take the bait. But at the same time, like, why wouldn't you? That's pretty interesting. And you and you, you really want to know, like, what's going on. And I thought that mm. was a, a really interesting uh, one shot, just the way how it started with something that could potentially destroy all of us instantly. And not to give anything away, but uh, having I wasn't expected to have complicated discussions about moral philosophy along the way. But, um, <laughs> You know, they're more sophisticated than you uh, potentially can give uh, one shots credit. That was a really interesting. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and that's experience. one of the things that led that to be a pretty beefy adventure is because there was so much that I had to scrap for time. But there's really like there's these like eight different encounters along the way. And every time you have to make a moral decision. And if you make the right moral decision, you're getting these little bonuses along the way in terms of these redemption dice that you're not supposed to know about. But, you know, the DMs just keeping track of Gerundu was, however, like the uh, you were what was your guy's name? Um, uh, It was Dutch like Predator. Matrix. Dutch Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> Extremely cynical mercenary. <laughs> not the right person to be debating philosophy. <laughs> but it but it, it you know, it worked out like. I well, think no you guys right or wrong answer is yeah, it's just, yeah. It's just what happens happens. I think you guys um, might have made like one of the like hit one of like the moral decision beats with mm-hmm. where you like did get one redemption die, and I think it had something to do with like saving a dog or something. And I think that's where like Dutch draws a line. Dutch won't no, fuck with a dog. <laughs> and do those redemption die? Are they supposed to help you out later? Like the more you've acquired, they like kind of decrease the difficulty, or maybe you you receive more help from other elements in the game, like people you've interacted with and stuff. Yeah, you re- you receive more help uh, along the way. There's like five or six different like groups of I guess I'll still say people that you can if you interact with them positively like later on because I mean you all saw that last fight it's a big fight and that's why we were like all right nope (laughs) and it's because along the way you collect allies and those redemption dice help the person you're escorting (laughs) we'll just say that so we're not spoiling too much and like that person can then get really powerful and really help you out and I think you know it's not necessarily like it's also the fact that I had to cut tons of that stuff out so who's to say all the ones I cut out were ones that you know you guys would have you know knocked out of the park got the uh, redemption dice got the allies and then it's just i i shouldn't have done it for the charity event where we had a closed window we should have just marked out a five-hour session on the stream and just fucking kicked knocked it out and i think that would have been um the right way to go with that one well i like that redemption dice concept because it a lot like you said we were level four we encountered a dragon it, it like when you create this concept where you can have these more powerful uh, figures in this world coming to help you or you can like reduce the difficulty of the challenge you're about to face it enables low level characters to encounter these very powerful things and it's like this high scale like lord of the rings level battle where you're like there's these giant nazgul flying over and you're just like a regular warrior and you have all these people backing you up you've like acquired some sort of army i think that's a pretty cool concept so you can make it feel like a large scale like you can make it feel like they're high level but you're just level four and, and you can write it within the bounds of a level four character. Um, it kind of reminds me of Rise of Tiamat, which there's various chapters that are optional. And depending on which choices you decide to make, did you go right or left? Did you save this person or kill them? You get allies to come help you. And, it, and it eventually not only is it decrease the challenge of Tiamat, but you're about to fight her. And then like, they're, like depending on what you did, maybe you convinced the chromatic dragon to help you. And now he comes in and helps you fight. I mean, that's a, that's a dragon helping you. That's a huge deal. Now, obviously that's not like an integral part of the plot because that's something you as a player could choose to maybe go risk your life, go talk to some dragon and convince them to help you or you can get fried to ashes because you angered them but i kind of like that idea of you're not overly powerful but you have access to people that can help you that are stronger than you are or creatures or dragons or whatever it may be when authors start thinking about things like that like you know there's been a thousand dungeon crawl one shots out there what can i do to make my one shot different like um murder on uh, ebron express like uh, the sirens cry the murder mysteries that's different you don't see a lot of those at all I, those are the only two i've ever seen before and they help with time constraints. That was like mm-hmm. one of the things I've never seen before. How it has yeah. that built-in timer? And I'll admit, I stole that idea when I made my murder mystery because it was amazing. It was awesome to have that built-in like. Yeah, and that's when like when people start to realize like, hey, I'm not bound to the strict Dungeons and Dragons rules. I can add some some more like those redemption dice. That's not rules as written Dungeons and Dragons that you have these dice you can add to do different things. Um, and I think when creators start to 
uh, pick up their own little things like that and like built in timers and things. I think that's when uh, it really opens up and broadens the different kind of one shots that they can make available to you. I think that's the thing. You're getting an insight from somebody else. Another creative human being has written this stuff down and is lending a perspective that you on something that you might never have even thought of um these redemption dice or something you know we all of us have kind of house rules or things that we find you know acceptable in our own home games and what you're really seeing is that sort of thing from somebody else and if you like it you can poach it and put it in your your main game if, if that's something you want to do but again it's seeing all these different people's um uh, because and there's a lot of them, a lot of amazingly talented, interesting people out there writing really interesting stories for us to play through, and it's sort of uh, been a joy to get a chance to do that. Yeah, that's that's one thing about One Shot Onslaught that, uh, not to toot my own horn too much or anything, it's <laughs> but toot toot. Um, so I mean, it it kind of came came about organically where it started with you know. A, if if I'd have known about DMs Guild, my very first thing I ever ran for D and D would have been a one shot for sure. I didn't know about it at the time, so that's mm-hmm. when I started the campaign. Um, my oldest brother Sean, he doesn't even like uh, tabletop games at all, board games or anything. So we didn't even think to see if he wanted to like come play with us in that one campaign that we were running. And then um, my old my both my brothers worked together. So during work, they would talk about Dungeons and Dragons, and then my oldest brother started getting really interested in it. So then that's when I was like, I'll try to find something I can do in like one night. And I don't, I wish I remembered exactly what I was looking up, but I was go- probably googling like how to play Dungeons and Dragons in one night or something like that. And somehow mm-hmm. I stumbled upon DMs Guild, and then I told him I was like, Oh, guys, I found something we can play in like three hours, and that's it, and we can see if Sean likes it or not. Uh, Sean invited one of his friends over and it was um I think for that it was me. I think Johnny was I can't remember if Johnny lived here or not during that time, so I don't know if Johnny <laughs> was around for that. I think it might have just been me, Dustin, Sean, and our friend Nathan, and then Johnny may or may not have been in that one. And we had a lot of fun. And then we were like, Well, let's do this once a month. And then once a month we'd get together, play a one shot. After like three of them, uh we were like, well, let's record these so like we can watch them and we can like show like our wives and stuff them. So we started recording them and then we were like, well, podcast feed's not that expensive. Let's start putting them up on a podcast feed. <laughs> but anyway, after I found so it began. That's how that's how it began. But then I started realizing that like authors were getting really excited to see us run their adventure and it was something that we'd never even thought like we didn't think people would even want us running their adventures uh <laughs> like no please stay away from mine <laughs> don't touch that uh, but no like people were getting really really excited about it um and then when on that extra life charity stream i was talking to jesse stevens who um is one of our most ran authors and he was he was telling me like how much it like meant to him and other authors that he's like talked to about it like how much it means that like we're giving them this platform and like running their stuff and that was the first time it really hit me like oh wow like this actually like helps people um with our you know limited reach we've got and so the uh, rpg writers uh workshop just ended yesterday actually so the very next one um we're running we're actually i'm going to be running um i guess by the time this episode comes out i think that episode will already be out but we're running uh another one of those like big guest episodes like we did last year Mm. and this time i'm picking an adventure from the rpg writer workshop where these people just spent one month uh writing their very first ever adventure and so like i'm gonna try to pick one that i really like and then run that and i'm just hoping that it makes that person really happy like oh wow i made this adventure first time ever it was a hard month i i would i paid for it i was in that workshop i fell behind after like day eight like it's i mean it's rough to keep up with it it's it's hard to make it an adventure so I just hope that like this author, whichever one I choose, I'm really hoping that they enjoy seeing like a bunch of like big names in the industry, like playing their, I'm not calling myself a big name. I, <laughs> when I, when I aim, I aim up, <laughs> I aim for guests above me. <laughs> so those are the big names, uh, going to be playing. So I'm, I'm really excited to get that out there. Um, and it should be out there by the time this goes out. Well, we still have a lot to say about running one shots for Dungeons and Dragons and other tabletop games. But before we do that, let's just take a moment to thank our sponsors. This episode of Dice Talk is brought to you by ShadowMarketPins.com. 
The Shadow Market is an awesome website where you can buy high-quality, custom-made, hard enamel pins that you cannot find anywhere else. The Shadow Market focuses on pins and stickers that often put a twist on popular characters and geek figures such as superheroes, monsters, aliens, anime characters, and other pop culture icons. The Shadow Market also has options for character commissions for Dungeons & Dragons and other tabletop role-playing games. The Shadow Market even offers a monthly subscription box where you can receive the newest custom pins every month for an extremely affordable price. These custom pins are limited edition, and they often sell out very quickly. So make sure that you go to shadowmarketpins.com and check out this month's pins before it's too late. Once again, that is shadowmarketpins.com. Check it out and enter the shadows today. And we are back. So one of the events that Majestic Goose is currently running is a thing called Dungeons and Dreamers. And by the time this episode's released, we probably are swiftly approaching the end of that event. Um, It might actually be within the next week or two when you hear this. But can you briefly explain to us what that is? Because the concept itself is amazing. And that definitely seems like the type of thing that you could continue to do for like future sessions or use the concept of it and kind of have this this idea where you can have various people running their own campaigns. Can you explain that to our listeners? Yeah, so uh, we wanted to get our Twitch channel up with some um, scheduled series, uh, some weekly series. Uh, And so while thinking about that, started thinking that it would be cool to have a show where you didn't have to DM every week, but you could still be a player. So instead of being a DM every week, you could swap out between the cast who's DMing. And from there, it kind of snowballed to this idea of everybody is in a magical sleep from a gin and during each session you go through one of the players uh, i mean one of the characters dream and or nightmare and try to wake up that sleeping character and the dm is the character that is currently sleeping so you're going into their dream and it ends up being really fun we've had two so far as of recording this where both of them have been fantastic. You really get a peek into the character psyche that I don't, I mean, I don't know any other way you would ever get to do that, where you literally get to see what they dream about and what they fear. Um, like we found out that uh, Riri is afraid of flying hell horses. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, it, it's really cool getting to really, you're not a pl- you're not playing, you're the DM, but at the same time, you're adding so much of your character's personality and backstory, if not even more than if you were playing that session, because you're quite literally in their head. Um, and yeah, we've had two so far. We've got three more to go. Then we've got the big boss fight. I do think we're going to have one week break in there somewhere. So that means that I think we've got uh, five weeks left, if I did that math right. So when this releases, it, it's probably this week, or <laughs> it had just ended about a week ago. <laughs> so yeah, it's going to be close. Uh, but either way, you can catch all the video on demands on our uh, YouTube, youtube.com slash one shot onslaught. And then uh, if you can catch the last one live, I highly suggest it because the last two have been just absolutely fantastic. This harkens back to what we were saying earlier about how when you're doing a a live performance, a live stream, uh, you're doing it live, you have time constraints. It's a little bit different than when you're attempting to do a one shot. And then, you know, if you're just having fun with your friends, it doesn't matter if it takes two nights instead of one. Or if even if you're recording a podcast, you can work around it. You can make your episode longer. You can split it into two episodes. But I think the way Dungeons and Dreamers is set up, it's truly a one shot. You you don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like you said earlier, it's freeing in the way that it's limited so when you're creating your idea you you know that you have these constraints and you can plan around those constraints and in a way you can accelerate the pace of your own game and you know there might be more or less battle or more or less role play depending on the individual dm and like you said it's gonna be different every time and i really like that concept adam do you currently have any plans of continuing that series or creating future series where other people who aren't directly part of the majestic goose network can come on kind of showcase their dm skills play with us in game 
games. Uh, tell all the listeners and viewers about their own stuff they're working on. Do you have anything like that in the works? Yeah, so uh, I think as of now, the plan for this was that after it ends, um, either we try to have a backfill show ready and uh, to take up that same slot going forward or, you know, a week or two off or maybe um, a- another series, but a different day because we, we want to always have at least two shows scheduled every single week. So we're going to try to come up with more shows. I love the idea of giving some other people chances to dream and like Ernest and Sullivan from Dungeons and Dreamers. We had never met them before. We put out a casting call. Sullivan had never streamed before. Uh, and Ernest had streamed once, maybe twice before. And I love giving a platform to people who really want to try out role playing or tabletop role playing games. They've never got the chance to. And so like my kind of vision for the Majestic Goose, you know, for the, the Twitch platform would be to create as many opportunities as we can for people to either come on and test out being a DM with no pressure. Like, you know, nobody on our shows are going to judge if, um, you know, you don't need to know the rules off your top of your head or you need to look stuff up or, if, you know, um, it's, you, you know, you miss the time window window a little bit, like say like, we do have a hard cutoff, but you didn't finish. Like, no one's going to judge uh, anybody about that. <laughs> so, I mean, it's 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 really freeing. And I'm still working on how exactly we can get that kind of branding and that community feel out there. So people really feel comfortable doing that. Uh, so, yeah, I do like the idea of having stuff with maybe the next show is just all um you know one shots one of one of our shows that is probably by the time this episode come out comes out is getting close to coming out is a show that i want to make called um uh oh shoot what did the the poll on twitter end up winning with i think it was uh dm's guild director cut or director's cut or director cuts to cuts dm's guild director cuts um well, it was one of those and what that's going to be is authors of dm's guild one shots come on and they dm their own adventure and i think that opens up the possibility of we don't need a reoccurring cast for that we can have people that want to try out playing hop on and play with the person who created the adventure that's so cool to me and that allows the community to grow too yeah and like mm. people are supporting each that's what i love so much about the dnd community it's everyone's so supportive of each other everyone's given chances for people to plug stuff everyone's inviting each other like like it's awesome like i love how supportive everybody yeah. is in this community i know i've i've never once seen like you know somebody makes the top 10 on dm's guild or something like that and like all these other creators from dm's guild just get so enthusiastic and like congratulate this person and like it's a really really great community for that and when i put out the initial ask for this i said hey i think it'd be a lot of fun to have like a a dm's guild creator run their own work on the twitch stream if you would be interested in that let me know I got tons of replies from people, and then I started realizing, oh shoot! I believe it because I, <laughs> when man, I know we're already friends and everything, but when I was like, hey, what if we did a stream where I got to run my one shot and I did play to the blight thief and DM'd and stuff? I was psyched when you said, yeah, it was like, like it is exciting, like it really is. It feels really cool to have that opportunity, and and that's me being your friend. Imagine people who don't know you and they just know you from one shot onslaught, which is honestly, Adam, it's a pretty successful podcast, and people hear about you. I bet they're psyched when you contact them and say, Hey, would you be interested in running your, your game on our show? Yeah. And I, I see, I still think of it like way different than that. Like, I I don't know. I never really, uh, I don't know if it's still that just imposter syndrome or, or what, but, uh, for me, when I put that out and I got, you know, 15 replies back saying, Oh, I would love to do that. Please, please. Yeah. Yes, please. I was just floored. And that's when I was like, okay, well, I can't do this once. Now I got to make a series out of it. So we've got a couple authors lined up. I think we've got the very first one I think we're going to end up doing um, is going to be the uh, Scooby-Doo Fright Night one, where it is a Scooby-Doo themed one shot where it's got pre-made characters for all of the Scooby-Doo cast. And like uh, Sco- really? Scooby-Doo is a, Scooby-Doo is a, a, a null um and it's just it looks like fantastic and uh the author agreed to um he did just have a baby there's two authors um but one of the the author that wanted to dm just had a baby so he said that yeah i think we're getting closer to that window and i told him that that's fine because we're not ready yet anyway (laughs) so now is your plan are are these authors going to bring their own players 
or could people who want to join the Majestic Use community and want to join the Discord and stuff possibly participate in these types of streams? That was my plan, yeah, to kind of keep it open, um, kind of like the how the Patreon uh, members get to play uh, one shots with us, uh, but instead of it being locked down to just patrons for that, have that one be a little bit more open. I still am new to the whole Twitch game, so I'm gonna have to see how like casting goes for that. Because if you know 20 people say, "Hey, I want to play in that game," I'm gonna have to figure out some kind of system to uh, load balance that a little bit. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. We'll see how the casting for those goes. But uh, I'm very excited for that show, and it it may take the Monday slot up, but it might not have like an end time for those because I want to give the authors a little bit of wiggle room. And yeah, so I may have to like chance to sh- show off the uh, yeah. the director's cut. That's the yeah. whole point. So I may have to have like people that don't have hard stops for certain days, like have at least like it's not going to go for 10 hours. <laughs> we'll give like a, at least a three or four hour hard stop or something. But right now, Dungeons and Dreamers is a two hour hard stop. And holy cow, Gerundu and Tiana have knocked that. I was worried about that. I was like a two, uh, one shot in two hours. I mean, I do it sometimes, but. You know, like I said, that took me a long time to be able to do that. I had a lot of trial and error for a year where I would have to completely butcher one shots to get them to fit. So I was very uh, pleasantly surprised when Tiana and Gerundu absolutely knocked out of the park. Well, I think it goes back to what we were talking about before. It's you've got, you know, you've got a hard stop. You've got a definite finish time. And it having that knowledge sort of helps you pare stuff down a bit, I think. And as uh, Jeremy sort of... Um, I'm sure he didn't mean to be backhandedly complimenting me, uh, but I, as Jeremy says, I, I am quite a freeform DM anyway. I like to wing it a bit, but my notes consisted of like a page. <laughs> so I had like three beats, three paragraphs of like scenes that I wanted to hit, essentially. And then it was a case of paring that down and trying to work out where the players were um, in in the structure of the very sort of freeform narrative I wanted to build. But at the same time, my experience of DMing is everything's going to take like three times longer than you think it's going to. Um, but with... Especially combat. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but with the cast being what it was and us all having this kind of knowledge that we are producing a show instead of just, you know, sitting around and playing with your mates. We kind of promoted through it like a, a bunch of professionals. So uh, I was left with about 15 minutes spare at the end. But uh, that's all to the good because it gives more time to promote the um, incredibly talented people that were playing in those modules. And as you say, I think that having being able to be part of something that is introducing new people and giving people a platform is, you know, a great privilege. So uh, thanks for having me on to Dungeons and Dreamers and to you, Jeremy, as well, to invite me on to Dice Talk. It's been um, a really rewarding experience to finally be busy. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm I'm thinking, like I was saying earlier, it's like this community that we're all part of and we're all building mm-hmm. and it's it's just so it's so positive and that actually makes me think so this this is directly to our listeners if any of this sounds fun to you you can be a part of this like you can join our discord it's the one shot onslaught discord and you could get to know us and get involved with these different uh streams you can become part of the patreon and do things like that like this community is inclusive you can become part of it adam if they wanted to join the discord how can they do that what's the easiest way for them to just join that discord Uh, i think there's two different links uh one and they both will go right to the welcome page uh one is bit.ly slash one shot discord like all spelled out number one spelled out and then uh one is bit.ly slash halfway to discord oh oh we actually made another one too for roll for weird it's a uh, bit.ly slash roll for discord uh, so any of those three links will get you into the um the welcome page so we've talked heavily about dungeons and dragons which makes sense because that's the focus of our show but we also like to focus on other tabletop role-playing games do you think there's other systems that are built more for one-shot style play more so than Dungeons and Dragons. Um, we do Monster of the Week as a podcast. All three of us are cast members of Roll for Weird, which is a Monster of the Week podcast. And it seems like Monster of the Week, it almost sounds like a weekly one-shot style game. Do you think other game systems do better at you know creating an atmosphere where you can run successful one-shots? And if so, what's your favorite? Yeah, I, th- I think Monster of the Week, uh, like you mentioned, is... I think by design meant for one shots. I, I definitely feel that. I know that, um, on our show at the moment, we've got a kind of an overarching 
uh, story now. No spoilers, but when we started, it was one shot and chained with another one shot and then chained with another one. You know, each like monster hunt is like a one shot. And there were shows out there like when the Adventure Zone did Monster of the Week where it would be like eight episodes for one monster hunt. Um, but I mean, that was, you know, really, really, you know, digging into the the uh, background of the, you know, the lore of the city and everything like that. But if you were just, you know, sitting around with friends, I think Monster of the Week is the perfect um, one shot based tabletop system where um, you can just kind of get an idea for a monster any kind of monster you can think of. You can think of like a movie monster. Uh, you can think of like, you know, the creature from the Black Lagoon, Frankenstein, uh, a vampire, whatever you want to do. You can go out and hunt that monster. And um, you don't even like that's one system where I don't think you need a lot of prep no. for because <laughs> it's, you know, even like the character creation. You don't even need to prep to make your character really. You get like a name and an idea of what playbook you want. And then you sit down, and then you make your character on the fly, and it's always very good. I completely agree with you. I've ever since we played Monster of the Week that first time, um, I've run probably four or five games for my friends, just based on not even the full rulebook, just some a couple of PDFs that um, or clips from the from the main rulebook. And all you really need is to know what your monster is, and then after that, everything else gets created by the players or by you know as a communal effort between you all. So where where you set, like, you know, what your base of operations is and, and all that good, good stuff just comes about from, from playing. And if you think about, you play a lot of board games, say, and you uh, have friends that are into that, you want to, they all come around and you have a, a good board game night. I think something like Mon- playing Monster of the Week for two, three, three hours. I've played, uh, I've run sessions in like two hours and you just treat it like you're playing an episode of Supernatural or The X-Files or, you know, whatever. And you can, you've st- you know, with that format in mind, it's kind of easy to, to run to those kind of episodic um, timescales. You know, it really lends itself to that. I don't know what systems you all have tried before. Um, I have played... Dungeons and Dragons, Monster of the Week, and there's one that uh, I played on um, a, a Twitch streaming channel, and at the time, I thought I was signing up for a Dungeons and Dragons slot, and then I realized, day of, it was a system I had never heard of, uh, and I was at working that day, so um, like I got the message like, hey, you still on for 4 o'clock or whatever, and... I get home from work at like three thirty, <laughs> so I was like, "Oh no!" Um, and it ended up working out. Uh, they had you know really nice interactive like character sheets and stuff for me. I could kind of like piece together. I think once you learn one tabletop system, um, the rest mostly can fall into place. There's oh, I did play Starfinder on Monopot Studios also recently. Um, so there are some that are crunchier than others, uh, like Starfinder. Uh, had a lot more rules than, say, Monster of the Week. Monster of the Week, you've got two dice, and there's like five things you can do. Uh, kick some ass, being one of them. Uh, roll for weird, you know, there's not tons of rules. And I think with that, that that's kind of my limited knowledge. So I'm not sure if there's a better one uh, for one-shots out there. Uh, I know there's a lot I want to try, but I don't know how well they work with one-shots yet until I try them out. I think... Probably as a general rule, the fewer rules you have, the less overt complexity there is, the more likely you are to be able to um, produce that kind of um, one-shot. You can get more storytelling done in a a shorter period of time. I think my favorite non-Dungeons & Dragons system, especially for running one-shots, because honestly... I couldn't imagine creating like a long-term campaign. It it just, I haven't wrapped my head around it yet. Would be Call of Cthulhu. Mm. It now, is, we play Call of Cthulhu too. It is yes. quickly becoming one of, one of my favorite systems. And it is honestly competing with Dungeons and Dragons because it's so 
it's similar enough to where you get the same feel, you get the same joy out of it. You're activating the same parts of your mind and the same parts of your creativity when you're playing, but it's different enough to where it feels like a, like you're on vacation. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you can get bogged down sure. playing the same system again and again, week after week. But what's really cool about tabletop role-playing games, especially if you started with something as complex as Dungeons and Dragons, it's really easy to learn these other systems. And there's only a few things you have to change. And Call of Cthulhu specifically, I don't know how it would be difficult, I think, to make an, a, a long campaign, like two or three years or whatever, because your characters are so vulnerable. That's one of the similarities yeah. it has with Monsters of the Week is that you can't just it's not Dungeons and Dragons. You're not a superhero. You're not a wizard. You might have a little magic, maybe, but it's usually like if you fail a check, you didn't just miss. You probably blew yourself up or something like Call of Cthulhu is honestly awesome. And, it, and it's 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 more simple, I think, than Dungeons and Dragons. You still have to read a book and you still have to learn kind of the differences because there are some differences. But I think that is one uh, that is kind of made like Monster of the Week, kind of made for running one-shots. Yeah, I agree. I think just because of the inherent frailty of your characters in the scheme of this grand cosmic horror. And with that sort of meta-knowledge you have as a player comes a, a distinct change in the way that you play as well. Because you, if you've played it more than once, you probably expect your character to either die or be driven insane. So with that comes this sort of more, I guess, kind of realistic attitude towards self-preservation and um if your character you you'd be less likely to magnus rushes in kind of uh uh attitude because you're so terrified and small so these conversations are just so interesting and so easy to have i feel like we could talk about it for three more days straight but we are actually running short on time so Jerundu, adam before we end the episode is there anything you want to leave our listeners with one more a word of wisdom or just something you wanted to tell them before we end this episode i think just just try one shots even if it's just to try something different you know there's a a, a buffet table full of glorious and different things of great variety that you should try um especially if it's a completely different style of game like a murder mystery or a new system with survival horror Paula cthulhu um you know sample life's rich buffet of uh of diverting entertainments there's lots to choose from yeah i would say if i uh would be able to take up a minute and step up on my soapbox for just a moment it's nice up here um i would say that uh definitely go to dmskill.com and uh, and other places other places to get adventures from uh like indie creators and uh smaller creators there's drive through rpg there's itch.io um go to those places and buy and pay for you know one shots um if it's pay what you want to definitely kick in some money because it, it's hard to make adventures i've got two that i'm working on and i don't know if they're when they're going to get published if they're going to get published it's really hard to get them to that final product and it's worth the money i think um when i first started even in the, the you know two and a half three years that i've been playing i have seen a positive um, incline and like increase in prices, which is good to see. I think when I started, the average price for, for a one shot was like two dollars, and now it's getting up to like four dollars and ninety five cents. Even that, I think, is um way too low. And there's a lot of uh, you know, different conversations on you know Twitter and places like that about what's fair to price something at. And the best way I can think of it is if you pay um, say four ninety five for a one shot. And so three to five hour one shot, you play with you and four friends. That's five people. Say you play for five hours, five people. That's 25 hours of entertainment for $5. Jeremy, you're a teacher. What's the math coinage per hour of that? Uh, so five divided by 25, that's how many pennies it is, an hour of entertainment. Then you look at going to like a movie, getting a movie ticket for, you know, $12 a movie ticket for two hours. And it's six six bucks an hour of entertainment uh, for one person. Like just the cost versus the – and you can run it more than once too. I've ran one shots more than once. I've ran Banquet of the Damned like three or four times now. Um, so what I'm just trying to say is that uh, $5 I think is still too cheap for adventures. Um, I think they should be probably at least like – $10. I know like not everybody's got enough money. If, if it's $10 for a one shot, then maybe you could have to buy less one shots maybe. But 
I don't think the average person's buying that many one shots anyway. I don't know how many one shots people are needing to buy. So, um, you know, if, if they're only going to buy one, either one way or another, if you're only going to buy one, uh, and I know as a customer, this isn't something you can do. If the thing costs $5, you can only pay $5, whatever. Um, I just would like to see it kind of normalized and, uh, just become the norm for, uh, these content creators to get more than they're charging right now because, um, yeah, it is a lot of work and it is definitely worth more than $5. I agree. I think, uh, Five dollars, ten dollars. That's a small price to pay for the hours of entertainment, the hours of interaction. I think that's the big part. You, you talked about a movie ticket. I love movies. You know, everyone likes movies, but it's it's not the it's not as fun as playing a campaign or something. Playing Dungeons and Dragons, you're interacting with people. You're being social. You're being creative. You're. I mean, I think, like you said, five dollars is a, a very small price to pay. So even when you when you go on dmsguild.com, and I know you will, make sure that even if it says pay what you want. You know, give them a dollar, give them five dollars, give them ten dollars, and then leave them a review. Let them know how much their product, how much happiness their product brought you. Because I'm a, I'm a content creator on DMs Guild. It's amazing when you get those reviews. You feel so good about yourself when you have something for pay what you want, and someone paid five dollars for it instead of zero dollars. It feels really good. So, all the listeners out there, I think my final thing that I want to leave you with: go to DMsGuild.com, browse what they have, and support all the uh, creators on there because. They're pouring their heart and their soul and their time into creating this content. And a lot of it is amazing work. Uh, Adam, thanks for coming on the show with us. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. It was a lot of fun. As always, I just wanted to take some time to say thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope that our discussions were able to both entertain and inspire you. How do you feel about running one-shots? Do you prefer one-off games so that you can switch characters and DMs? Or are you more into the traditional, long-running type of campaign? We want to hear about it. You can send us comments, questions, or just say hi by going to DiceTalkPod.com. There, you can stay up to date on all the latest Dice Talk news and streaming schedules. Also, be sure to go to MajesticGoose.com where you can check out all of the awesome tabletop shows that we offer on the network. If you want to find us on social media, you can do so on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search Dice Talk and start following us today. You can also get in touch with us by sending us an email to DiceTalkShow at gmail.com. And if you've enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review. They really help to get us to the top of the charts so that we can get our name out there. Leaving us a review lets us know how you feel about the show, and it's really the best way that you can help support us. Don't forget to tell your friends about us and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. I'll talk to you next time on Dice Talk. A Majestic Goose Podcast.